Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Thanks, uh, Grace Vineyard, for letting us come this morning and sharing with you. And for the folks watching on Facebook and other places, thank you so much. Uh, Ron, before we get into my real stories, I've got two tithing stories I'd like to share. Uh, Back in the 60s, which was before black and white TV, uh, my job was to deliver papers in the small village that I lived in. There was about 500 people in our town. About uh, 50 of those wanted to get a newspaper delivered to their house every day. So my brother and I, uh, my brother and I split it up. He took half the town. I took the other half. And so on Saturdays, I would go around and collect, I think it was a quarter, to get a newspaper delivered to your house six days a week. On one particular month, I chose to uh, tithe uh, what I was earning for that particular month. So I had made a grand salary of $200 that month. And so in Sunday, I took my uh, $20 and put it into the offering plate. And... uh, Long story short, I've been doing that ever since the 60s, and so I would encourage you, if you've not started to tithe, I would encourage you to start that. I do my tithing online, and so on the first day of every month, the first check that I pay is to our local church. We do a tithe to that, and then through the years, the Lord has blessed us with offerings, which is above the tithe. It's just great to be able to bless other people for what they're doing to help uh, minister to people around the world. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was in a uh, country, and one of the stories that they shared with me was about a man who was a Uber driver. So have any of you ever taken an Uber ride or would like to take a taxi ride or something like that? Well, he had uh, picked up two men, and uh, when he got home that night, he realized that those two men had left a box in his back seat. So he took the box inside his house. That night, uh, he was hosting a house church. And so halfway through the meeting, he says, excuse me, I need to go open up the box. And inside the box were 10 New Testaments. Those 10 New Testaments were for one, each for each person in his group. One of the people in his group that did not have a Bible was his wife. You see that whenever she wanted to read the Bible, she would ask her husband, hey, can I borrow your Bible for a few minutes to read the scriptures? And So in the back of the Bible was a phone number. So she called and said, thank you so much for allowing me to have my first ever Bible as a new Christian in this country. Isn't that exciting? Uh, Another quick story. I was in another country and was talking to a lady who is an evangelist. And she is a nurse during COVID. So one thing she would do is to go into small rural communities to help anybody that was suffering from COVID. What she didn't write on her report was that she would always share the gospel with those people in a particular home. One time she came back from a village and unfortunately nobody that day had prayed to receive Christ. I said, I bet you were so disappointed You could hardly wait to the next time you could go out to share the gospel. She says, well, how do you know that? I says, well, my wife has the gift of evangelism. When she goes shopping, 
she prays for divine appointments. So we're going to ask Rachel now to share a little bit about her experiences. Uh, if you have an iPhone or any kind of a phone, could you just pull it out real quick? Because some of the stories she's going to share today is about her phone that she just recently bought. Okay. Well, I just uh, spending some time with the Lord last night, and I was asking him, um, how can I put words to what you have been doing in my life? And he took me to the book of Revelation. I love Revelation. And some of the songs we sang this morning, thank you, were just a, a, a setting for this. Revelation 3, says, 3, 7 says, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And I was thanking the Lord for that this morning, that he was um, giving me these words to share with you um, and how God has been leading me ever since COVID started. Um, God made it very clear that the past ministry was finished. And he gave me a prophetic vision to confirm that so that I would not doubt and I would not want to go backwards, but I would go forward with what God had as his kingdom assignment during this COVID time. So as I began to shop, I would realize, oh, this person, maybe I could talk to him. So the Lord began to give me questions. As I would shop, I would meet somebody. And of course, as we started out last year, there were long lines at different stores. So there was time to spend with somebody who was in front of me or behind me to talk to them. And so, thank you. I began to, uh, God gave me the words. And my first question to them was, how are you doing with this COVID? So it would open up their heart and they would just begin to either say, oh, I I just don't like this. I, I can hardly wait till it gets over. And so I'd say, well, I've got some good news to share with you. And so I would, I would say, um, I have some good news, and it's in the form of a movie. And the movie that I had in my hand was the Jesus film. Have, how many of you have seen the Jesus movie? Okay, well, we have a special gift for all of you who have not seen the movie. I think we probably have enough copies. They're back on the table. And so grab a copy and watch this movie because it's on the life of Jesus. It's based from the book of Luke. It's all scripture. And um, so I would say, well, do you like movies? Do you have a DVD player? And a lot of them would say yes. So I gave them the movie. And then I also gave them a tract, which has the gospel in it. And I would say, um, it tells you how to receive the gift of eternal life. And then I would pause and I'd say, have you received the gift of eternal life? And many of them have said no, but they took it gladly. And so that was about all the time I had to share with them, because when you're in a line and all of a sudden you start moving, you, you can't talk anymore. <laughs> so the Lord has brought me many divine appointments. And over the months, it's just been exciting to see um, the people that he's been bringing to me. And then also, um, we also have um, gift cards that go with the movie. So if they don't have a DVD player, you can get this gift card. And on the back, it has the web link for you to go online. And it has all languages. The Jesus movie has been translated in the most languages in the whole world, like over 1,700. 
So you can access any language. And God has just been so merciful. I've been keeping track of the different nationalities that I've met since last year. I've met over 29 different nationalities over these months. And they have gladly received, I know there was a couple from Armenia and said, really, it's in my language? They were so excited. And, and I even met a couple from Nepal. They were excited too. So it's just been really exciting. So now I want to tell you a couple testimonies that um, just to tell you how the Lord has been moving. Okay, so I have an old iPad. <laughs> and I've had it ever since Renee helped me to get the thing figured out. Well, somehow I'd had a different email and a different password, and it wasn't working. So I had to call Apple support. And God gave me this gentleman who helped me fix it. So after he helped me fix it, then I said, well, um, can I ask you two spiritual questions? And he said, sure. So first one is, and I'd like to ask all of you here, because I'm sure there's some of you here that may not have this relationship yet. The first one is, have you come to a place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven? Or are you still working on it? And Kyle said, well, I, I'm kind of still working on it. I said, okay, that's all right. And the second question is, if you were to die today and stand before God, and he would say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? That's a little hard one. A lot of people have been stumped on that one. They say, I don't know. What would I tell God? So he, he said to me, he said, okay, well, what is it? And so I said, well, can I share with you five things that will lead you to receive that gift? He said, yes. So I told him, you know, heaven is a gift. It's a free gift. But man is a sinner. We've all sinned. We've fallen short of God's standards, and we can't save ourselves. But God is merciful. He loves us so much. He doesn't want to punish us, but he is just, and he must punish our sin. So to man, this is a problem, but to God, it was not. So how did he solve that problem for us? He sent Jesus here to earth, and what did he do? He died on the cross. He paid for our sin. He went to heaven to prepare a place for us. So if heaven is a gift, how do we receive that gift? We place our faith in Jesus alone. For what, not for what we have done, but for what he has done. So many people, so many people I've met are Catholic, and they believe in their good works. They're trusting in what they have done to get them into heaven. And so I asked him, I said, would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? You can pray with me right now. And he said, well, I would like to, but my company policy says I cannot. So I said, okay, then tonight, when you get home, get down on your knees and ask Jesus to come into your heart. His comment to me said, I'm really going to make that happen. That was him. Okay. Then, because also my iPhone was broken, <laughs> I had to get a new iPhone. Okay, so upgrading for a woman my age was like a little challenging, so I realized that my phone did not sync with my car phone. So I went to the car dealer, and in walked this guy, and I said, can you help me fix my car phone? Because it's not connecting with my iPhone. So he got in my car, he punched all these different things on the dial, and it didn't work. He couldn't fix it. 
He says, well, I'm so sorry, but you'll have to go up to the service department and talk to him. And one of the guys there will help you. So I said, well, just a minute before you leave. Can I ask you two spiritual questions? I said, sure. So I asked him the first question. His answer was, oh, I, I just, I've been thinking about that a lot. I really wonder. And the second question was, um, you know, what would you say to God? And he says, I don't know, but I really want to know. Can you tell me? So right there, his heart was prepared. I shared the gospel, the five points of how to have an eternal life. And he bowed his head and opened up his heart to Jesus and thanked the Lord for coming to him. Praise you. <laughs> okay. So then I went up to the service department to get my phone fixed. So in the service department, <laughs> this young gentleman came out to my car and I said, I can't get my card car phone to, to sync with my iPhone. So he got in and he got it fixed. And so before he left, he said, I told him, I said, um, how are you doing with this COVID? He had his mask on. I had my mask on. And he said, ah, we're just trying to get by. And I said, well, I've got some good news for you. So I gave him, a, I said, do you like movies? Yes. Do you have a DVD player? Yes. So I gave him the movie and the tract. And I said, you know, it tells you how to receive the gift of eternal life. And I paused. I said, have you received the gift of eternal life? He said, no. I said, well, when you get, I knew he had to get out of the car soon because there were people lining up to take care of cars behind me. And I said, when you get home tonight, pray that prayer and receive the Lord as your Savior. And he said, I will. That was him. Okay. Then I got home with my iPhone and I'm going, I can't read this. It's too small, too small print for me. So I called Apple support again, and I talked to this gal, and we walked through. She told me which settings to go to and what to click on. So I finally got it. I go, oh, thank you. And so that was finished. She says, is there anything more I can do for you? I said, sure. Would you be willing to answer two spiritual questions? <laughs> and she said, sure. So we went through the spiritual questions. She was really hoping to get into heaven, and she was stumped. She didn't know what she would say to God. And I said, well, do you have just a few more minutes? I have five things I want to share with you. So she listened. And when we got to the prayer, she wanted to receive Christ. I could just feel it. And I said, are you ready? Can you pray with me? She said, well, according to company policy, we are not allowed to do this. And I said, well, can you call me back? She says, no, I can't. I said, well, tonight then, when you get home, get down on your knees and ask Jesus to come into your heart. And she said, this is the key words. She said, just when you think of me, just know that I've done it. So praise be to God. All right, Ron, back to you. Okay. Okay. So hang on a second. So, um, yeah. Are you stirred up? So we, we have a phrase that we, we say, um, when you say hello to someone, it could turn into a holy hello. But she doesn't seem to wait to turn it into a holy hello. She just makes it happen. Talk about holy hellos on steroids. A holy hello is when, when just the normal hello turns into a divine appointment. And we are always trying to be aware if, if there's an opportunity. It sounds like there's always an opportunity. So, so Ron and Rachel 
do this full time here and abroad. And um, I asked them, are there um, like maybe three things that we as a congregation can bless you in prayer with? So will you join me in prayer to bless them? Here's the three things. The first one is that Ron works with leaders, sometimes brand new Christians who become spiritual leaders of congregations in various places in the world where there is no way for a person to be trained. There are no Bible schools. There are no Bibles. It's illegal. And he does his work to help them get trained. So we're going to bless him in his training and helping leaders around the world. Also, um, Rachel's ministry, you know what, um, got you a little card. There's a Costco card in there. Apparently, that's your, your field. So <laughs> this will help pay some of your... <laughs> and then finally, they have a daughter that many of you would know who used to lead worship here, Renee and... Um, and Mark, yeah, Mark, and um, a daughter-in-law, Nicole, married to their son, Richard. Both of them are due to give birth in September. So we're going to pray for them, and we're going to just bless um, Rachel's work locally at the Apple store. <laughs> and every other store. You know what? Actually, uh, Ron was telling me, challenge people. As they go to various stores to pray over the store. He said this, there are certain stores in our area that seem to even have an anointing on them where people are more responsive to the gospel. One is the Walmart on Jefferson. They go there and people give their lives to Jesus. Now, is that not crazy? So would you, are you, our guys got, I can feel the excitement just hearing these stories, right? So we're going to pray for them. If you want to like stretch a hand out to bless, if not, and you at home, we're just going to, do something that is powerful. God answers prayer. He hears the prayers of his people. There's a blessing that's tangible. So right now, Lord God, we bring before you our dear sister and brother that we love so much. We're so thankful that we're partnered with them. And we bless them. We bless Ron in his international work with wisdom, with provision, with strategy, with your help and your favor to accomplish all that has to be accomplished to do this intricate work of training spiritual leaders in places where it's just about impossible to do it. Bless him with more and more that the pastors in, in the closed countries will be growing in the wisdom of the word of God. We're growing in every way in leadership. Bless this work. Let it multiply that your church would grow around the world. We bless Rachel and her ministry in the shopping center on the tech support calls. Lord, you have seen fit to connect her with people who are ripe onto harvest, and we pray for more of that. We pray also that in the way that her story just inspired people in this room to go and do the same that it will continue to multiply so that more and more people around this world will hear the gospel of Jesus, will know that by putting their faith in the Son of God, they too can be saved and have the gift of eternal life. Bless that work. Bless every step of her day. And Lord, we lift up Nicole and Renee as they're getting ready to give birth. How exciting to see this family grow. Protect their pregnancies in these last months. Oh, bless them in the heat of summer. They're so fully pregnant. 
as August rolls around. God bless them and their air conditioners. Give, give them favor. And let the births be completely without incident. The children to be healthy, the mothers to be healthy, the families to be joyful in the blessing that you've given them. Your hand of blessing be upon this dear family, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. That was awesome. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. That was super, super fun. Wow. So we've already had church, huh? How would you feel about me opening up the word with you? Oh, just That was just you. We should have a private. Anyone else? Okay. Well, normally we would do um, a breakout room right now, but I think that Given that it's about 11 o'clock, we shouldn't do that. You with me? Because I just made a management decision. And if someone who's stronger than me, like Ramon, could grab that pulpity thing and bring it over here, that would help me. I want to talk about Galatians. And I'm doing an edit in my brain right now to edit it down to a really short talk, which sometimes are the best. So let me just say this. We've been, we started last week to open up the book in the Bible called Galatians. And last week, we gave you the backstory of Paul and how he ended up writing a letter to this church in Galatia. And the idea, some of the simple things that we talked about, thank you so much, Ramon, were that um, Paul had been someone who really hated Jesus and his people. And he was, uh, uh, in his time, what we would call in our day a terrorist. He went after Christians. This was after Jesus had died and risen from the dead, and now there were little groups of people coming to faith all over the, that area around Jerusalem and beginning to spread. And he would, with the authority of the Jewish leadership, because he was part of the Sanhedrin. We might think of uh, kind of the Supreme Court of the land, the, the top level authorities. And he had authority to put people in prison. He even had authority to get people killed. And that's what he was doing. He was on his way to kill more people, to put more people in prison, to take more property, to put an end to this Christian movement when Jesus just arrested him. Jesus from the heavens said, Saul, his name was Saul, it became Paul. Why are you persecuting me? Saul immediately had faith and said, Lord, who are you? He called him Lord. That's a sign of I'm going to follow you. And what must I do? Immediately, Saul changed his heart and had a revelation of Jesus. And he um, very quickly understood that the hope that he'd had for all his years, knowing the Torah, the law of God, the, the, what we call the Old Testament, he knew it well. He knew that its promises were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He probably called him Yeshua, the Hebrew version of Jesus. He understood that salvation or being made right with God could not happen by his best Jewish law efforts, by being the most religious person on the planet. It wouldn't cut it. If he had to answer the question that Rachel posed, he would, he would try to say, well, I've obeyed the law, but you still have sin. He realized that he could not get rid of sin, that by putting his faith in Jesus plus nothing, he could be made right with God, his sins forgiven, and he could be rescued from this evil age even while it went on. 
remember the talk last week, we talked about the two ages, the present evil age and the age to come. And Paul, Saul knew there was a day coming called the day of the Lord when God would end this present evil age and begin the next age. He discovered that in Jesus, the age to come is already broken into the present, that we can have an experience of the presence of God now and our sins forgiven, all that wrapped up in the fact that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, his resurrection, inaugurating the new resurrection that is to come in fulfillment someday, but it is experienced now. Remember, we, that's what we talked about last week. Faith in Jesus plus nothing. Later on, he was sent to an area called Galatia, a region where there are lots of cities, and he went and told them this message. And many people put their faith in Jesus now there were churches planted. Then he uh, found out that there's a group of people often called the Judaizers. I'm giving you last week's wrap up. You can hit this on the podcast more fully if you want to hear it, gracetalks.org. Um, he discovered these people were saying, you know, Paul, he's not really an apostle. Um, he doesn't know his facts quite right. He's right. We should believe in Jesus plus something. So we discover the false gospel is Jesus plus anything. The true gospel of grace is Jesus plus nothing, and you're made right with God, and you have eternal life, and you're rescued from this present evil age, and all the promises of God are for you, and your relationship with God is secure. You can't make God love you anymore. You can't make God love you any less by anything you do or don't do. It doesn't matter if you seem to be really good or if you seem to be really bad. It's all Faith in Jesus plus nothing. These other guys, the Judaizers, were starting to tell these new Christians, oh, no, that's not quite right. If you really want to be a true Christian, what you got to do is become Jewish in your lifestyle. So you better learn the law of Moses. And you men, I'm sorry to say, you're going to have to go through the ritual of circumcision. Ouch. Right? And you're going to have to follow the food laws. And then you'll be true Christians. Right? So that the, the letter that he writes to Galatia that we're reading together, Galatians, just a few chapters, six chapters, is his addressing that problem with anger, with vehemence, with passion, because he thinks it's a huge, huge, huge issue. We talked about how in the, in the 1500s, a Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther got a hold of this book, and it changed his life. And he got this message, the people that are right with God will live by faith from the beginning to the end. It's all based on faith in Jesus plus nothing, and it changed the world, and we had something called the Reformation happen, and world history has never been the same because of this book. So we're reading that together. Are you with me? Okay, you're a good student. I'm, now I'm talking fast. So in Galatians now, we got to the... Um, just about like the 10th verse, there is one verse I want to highlight with a one message thought, okay? So we're going to do that hopefully in five minutes. You ready? You sure? I need to know you're with me. Okay. Chapter one, Galatians, I'm going to read to you verses 11 to 23, and then I'm going to highlight one verse. Ready? He says... After saying, I can't believe you've left the gospel, you've deserted Jesus, you're believing this other gospel, what's wrong with you guys? Come on, you know what I told you? He says this, I want you to know, brothers, in Galatia, this is in the letter, that the gospel, the good news that I preached to you is not something that man made up. And that's what some of the accusation was. Paul just made this up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For, now he's going to give his testimony as 
background and evidence that he didn't receive the gospel from any man, but it came from Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. This is an important thought. In what he says next, it's as though he's not saying, I'm the apostle of God, so therefore this gospel is true. It's more like he's saying, this gospel is true, therefore I'm an apostle of God. This gospel is true, and it changed me to make me an apostle, and that's the evidence that the gospel is true. You can trust it. So here he goes. For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I told you that a moment ago. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my Jewish, the Jews of my own age, my brothers in Judaism, and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Hear that phrase. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers, not for the law of God, not for the Torah, not for the books of Moses, literally the traditions. Those are the things that were added to. Those religious leaders over time came up with, well, let's have some extra thinking about how we can obey the law of God. You know, uh, it was said that the priests should do a ceremonial washing before they went into the holy place. Therefore, we have an idea. Why don't we make everybody do ceremonial washings before they eat food? So the hand washing laws came out. That's the kind of thing that happened. And Paul was zealous for the traditions of my fathers, he said. Then the next phrase, the second sentence, and I'm going to highlight these two sentences and we'll be done, okay? But when God, who set me apart from my birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Hear that phrase. To reveal his son in me. That's what happens to you when you put your faith in Jesus. God reveals his son in you and you become a living message. This is what happened to Paul. It's how we know the gospel is true. A man bent on destroying the Christians, put his faith in Jesus, and became the chief apostle of Christians. Like the top, right? He revealed his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And he goes on to say, I didn't consult any man, and he will go on from there, but I will stop because of time. This is a principle that's wrapped up in those two sentences that I want to share with you. You ever notice how someone is rescued from some part of life? They often become a rescuer in that part of life. Over and over, people that get set free from drug addiction become drug counselors. Have you seen that? People that get rescued from something are then used by God to help rescue others. The, Paul, the people that Paul came against that are called the Judaizers, if you didn't catch this before, notice this. They were doing exactly what Paul was doing in his previous life. Paul recognized how bad it was because it was him. He was way worse than any of the Judaizers. And if we had time, I'd be taking you through some stories and texts to highlight this. But one of the things that happens to you is that if you've been in a false religion, you can smell it a mile away, and you're like, stay away, danger, danger, danger. And that's what was going on with Paul. So with that thinking, that for those sentences, I was advancing in Judaism beyond any of the Jews of my age. I was extremely zealous for, the fa for my fathers, but God set me apart from birth. Before I was even born, God had a calling on my life. But at one point, he revealed his son in me, he called me by his grace so that I could preach his message. Here's 
We could call it the sermon in a sentence. It's, just, it's a long sentence, but listen to it. This is the power of the gospel of grace, that God wastes nothing and redeems everything. The place of our biggest failure or our biggest struggle or our biggest trial Think of the place of your biggest failure where you failed the worst. Paul's biggest failure was that he was a legalist, a traditionalist, a Judaizer, someone that, that fought for traditions against the good news of Jesus. That was his biggest point of failure, and that became the place where he was the most victorious in fighting against Satan. The place of your biggest failure, the places of your biggest struggle, the place of the worst trial you've been through, most likely is the place where God, by his grace, reveals his son in you. Take courage with this thought. Where you are struggling or struggled, where you are failing or have failed in the past, where you are under a trial, have faith and hope and courage that it's the power of the gospel that in that very place, God will reveal his son in you so that the very life you live proclaims the gospel of Jesus and the power of the gospel. Your very life can reflect Jesus and the power of the gospel. Your biggest failure, the place where you're weakest, place you're ashamed of. How does the gospel work? Faith in Jesus plus nothing. You can't God make God love you any more by being a better person. You can't make God love you any less by being a worse person. When your faith is in Jesus, your relationship with God is secure. You're his child. You're in his family. He gave you the right to become a daughter or a son of God because you believed in Jesus and a miracle happened. Jesus said to Nicodemus, when you put your faith in the son of God on that cross, you will be born of the spirit. You will be born again. You'll enter the kingdom of God. Everything will change. You'll be right with God. You'll have eternal life. You'll have the life of the ages to come now. Your sins will be dealt with and you will begin to live the life of the age to come. It will break into your present. You will live a life that's not led or ruled or overcome by your circumstances. Kingdom means rule and reign. You will live in the rule and reign of God now because you've entered his kingdom. For one thing, you put faith in Jesus. Not because you cleaned up your life. If you put your faith in Jesus, you'll be saved and he'll probably clean up your life. But that didn't get you in right relationship with God. It's irrelevant. It's what happens but it's irrelevant to your relationship with God. God loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because God is love and he loves you. You put your faith in him. He who, because he was full of love, sent his son, and Jesus, because he was so full of love, gave his life. First, first sentence of Galatians, he, the son gave his life for your sins to rescue you from this present evil age. How does that work? Faith in Jesus. Plus what? Nothing. Paul, passionate about this, would say, listen, this is a serious issue. 
It's a serious issue. If you think you can add anything, you'll make everything wrong. I'm going to, this is in, I don't know if you can get there, Connor, but I'm going to jump to the passage from Galatians 5. Paul is so adamant about this because he can smell it because he was there. He was a legalist who cared more about the traditions than the presence and relationship with God. He cared more about washing hands right than he cared about people being healed of their infirmities. He cared more about washing hands right than people who were far from God being made right with God because of faith in Jesus. He was the thing that he was fighting against. And he said this, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you. This is the letter to Galatians. These are Gentile Christians. They're Christians because they put faith in Jesus. Someone's lied to them and said, you got to do more. Well, what's the big deal, Paul, if a Christian now you know, decides to do the Jewish thing and gets circumcised? Is that such a big deal? Why would that be so bad? Paul says, mark my words. I tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. He was passionate because he knew what legalism did. He knew what turning your heart toward traditions and rituals instead of relationship with God did. It would ruin you. I tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ would be of no value to you at all. Well, that's not enough. I'll say it again. Again, I declare to you, every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he's then obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have alienated yourself from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. You rarely hear a preacher today angry because someone's hearing the false gospel of works. You hear people angry because of someone's sin. Paul wasn't that way. He knew that your sin couldn't separate you from God. You just put your faith in Jesus, and that's taken care of. What he did know is that when you add anything to Jesus, you make the gospel of grace nothing, and Christ died for nothing. And if you get into religious works, you've fallen away from grace. So, so never underestimate the power of the gospel. And always remember this, this is the little takeaway I had for you. This is the power of the gospel of grace. Wherever you've had trouble, remember that God wastes nothing and redeems everything. God wastes nothing and redeems everything. And the place of your biggest struggle, the place of your biggest failure, the place of your weakness, the place of your biggest trial is most often the place where God reveals his grace. He reveals Jesus in you because you put faith in Jesus to deal with this problem. It's much more than going to heaven. You get that too. But it's much more than going to heaven when you die. It's eternal life, the life of eternity now. God will use the place of your biggest failure, your weakest link, your biggest struggle, your biggest trial, as you put your faith in Jesus to reveal Jesus in you so that his grace will be revealed in your life and your very life will proclaim the gospel. Believe it wherever you are, whatever your circumstance. Faith in Jesus plus nothing will get you there. That's the gospel of grace, and we need to end. And we did it in more than five minutes, but less than 10, I think. Amy and Jay and Kaylin and Ernesto, worship band. 
if you're in the building, <laughs> you come to the stage and, and close our time in worship. Listen, folks, have you received the gift of eternal life? Would you like to? Can I tell you five things? <laughs> I'll get it down to one. Jesus is taking care of this, so put your faith in him. That's the, that's the, the one version of the five. One point in five subpoints, maybe. Put your faith in Jesus, and everything will change. How do you do that? Well, you, you talk to him, and you say something like this. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you've done everything to make me right with God. I trust you've given your life for my sins and to rescue me from all the evil in this world. I trust. I'm putting my faith in you, which means I'm giving you my life. I trust you with my life. Jesus, would you come into my life? Come into the center of my being. I call it my heart. Come into my heart and make me new. Wash away my sins and give me the life of eternity. I trust you. You pray that prayer, folks, and you are in relationship with Jesus. You've been born of the Spirit. You've entered into the kingdom of God. and Everything changes. Now, tomorrow, believe in Jesus. And Friday... Believe in Jesus. And in July, believe in Jesus. In September, believe in Jesus. And you will see that he changed everything. Anyone can bear witness, right? There's a couple that say, yeah, that's my story. Hey, so may the Lord bless you and keep you as we go into the end of May and as we have a time of remembering on Memorial Day those who've given their lives to protect our nation. It's kind of a somber and um, almost a holy moment to think, wow, people gave their lifeblood. We want to pause and remember. As you have this weekend, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May give you rest. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious unto you and empower you with his life for your life that he lived through you and you be a blessing everywhere you go and do some holy hellos. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.